0: Welcome to the Say the Word Podcast, where we'll dig into words and language as tools for curiosity. I'm your host, Cindy Giovanoli, and together we're going to explore how language is used in literature, memoir, poetry, and all kinds of fiction and nonfiction to connect us to what it means to be human and how to use curiosity to peel back the layers of what's keeping us from living the rich, meaningful lives we were always meant to be living. Hello there. I am super excited about today's episode. We are talking about a passage from Joan Huzz's young adult novel, The Ones We're Meant to Find. Now, before I go any further, I just want to confess here and now that I am 100% someone who judges books by their covers. Okay, now I don't so much judge as much as choose books for their covers, and that came into play with this one. It is stunning. I will put an image of the cover in the show notes at com backslash podcast because you have got to see this art. It's gorgeous. The illustration is by Turkish Surrealist. I cut a dog do and it is just so, so beautiful. So go check that out. Now, the last couple of weeks have been kind of long episodes, so I'm going to try to keep this week's episode a little bit on the shorter side, and this is the last episode for season two, and I'll talk just a little more about that closer to the end of today's show. Okay, so this novel is what is known as environmental science fiction. It's set in a future world that has been ravaged by the effects of climate change, and I admit that this type of novel can sometimes feel just a little too close for comfort for me. The general gist of the book revolves around two sisters, Celia and Casey Mizuhara, and the book asks questions like, what is it that makes us human? And what is the difference between survival and living? And like all good sci-fi, the answers to those questions are not as cut and dry as you might imagine this book is incredible and I totally recommend it. Now, as with all novels here on the show, there are some very minor spoilers here, so stop listening now if you're sensitive to that and definitely come back after you've read it. So here it is just a little bit relevant to know that this character, C, spelled C-E-E, has been stranded alone on an abandoned island for several years and was recently joined there by a boy that she has the following interaction with. Okay, so from Joan Hus, young adult sci-fi novel, The Ones We're Meant to Find. Mm-hmm. Stay with me, I think, as the boy takes a breath and says, good night, see night. I watch as he goes, something yawning in my chest. It hurts like a wound even though I'm used to being alone. Except I'm not alone. Alone is an island. It's an uncrossable sea being too far from another soul. Whereas lonely is being too close, in the same house yet separated by walls because we choose to be. And when I fall asleep, the pain of loneliness follows me as I dream of more walls, this time between me and Kay. I can feel her in my mind, but I can't feel her. And so I break the wall, tear it apart with my bare hands to find nothing on the other side but whiteness, blindingly bright, and the cry of gulls. Okay, so let's just jump right in here. This passage addresses one central question. What is the difference between being alone and being lonely? She says, alone is an island, an uncrossable sea, being too far from another soul. But that lonely is being too close, separated by walls because we choose to be. I think this is fascinating. She's basically saying that loneliness requires another person's presence in some way, right? And that that presence can be physical proximity, like the boy who's in another room in the same house or as she experienced here when she dreams of Kay, the awareness of someone that she carries memory of or craves closeness with. The last line of that first paragraph is telling here. She says, I watch as he goes, something yawning in my chest. It hurts like a wound even though I'm used to being alone. But then she realizes that she's not alone anymore and it's that not alone that creates this pain, right? This loneliness. He's physically closer to her than anyone has been in literally years. But the choice to stay emotionally distant, the choice to stay separated by walls, creates a newfound loneliness within C. I can relate to this so strongly. I am an introvert by nature. I dearly, dearly love my time alone. And It's just like I can feel my well of creativity and energy fill moment by moment when I get that time alone. Now, I don't know if that would necessarily be quite as true if I were stranded on an island alone for years and years, not sure if there would ever be an end to that aloneness. But I do sometimes think of the line from Terry Tempest Williams' book, Refuge, where her mother comments that she'd, quote, never reached her capacity for solitude, I love that line so much. I'm not sure that I ever have either, though I'm sure we all do indeed have a limit there somewhere. And while I've never reached my own capacity for solitude, that is not to say that I haven't been lonely. I have been deeply lonely at different moments in my life. Once in my very early 20s, I took a 64 hour bus ride to British Columbia to meet up with a boy I'd met while mountain biking in Utah. The weeks that I spent there with him and his friends were some of the loneliest of my life as I realized that I did not belong, that I was on the periphery and excluded from their inside jokes and shared language and values. It really wasn't until I headed off to kind of do my own thing that. You know when I was actually alone there that that loneliness began to fade and it was only then that I was able to cultivate some friendships where I was able to feel more seen and less peripheral. At other times it's been those moments when I've realized that I was not truly visible to the person in front of me or that they weren't hearing me or what I was trying to say. I'm not sure that there is a moment much lonelier than when that person is a beloved family member or someone we've been close to or loved in some way. To realize that someone we love does not know us is a deeply lonely place. And this brings us back to what we've talked about on several episodes this season, right? Feeling seen and heard, making sure that those we love feel seen and heard by us is deeply connective. And when those things are absent, The result is a feeling of disconnection and as we see here, real and painful loneliness. Now this distinction between aloneness and loneliness is so interesting. The way that relationship to others plays such a role is just fascinating and completely counterintuitive, right? I mean, I would go so far as to suggest that at least some of that distinction could be connected back to curiosity directly. And before you roll your eyes, just hear me out. It's gonna take me a second to get there, but I will. Now, when we are alone, just like we talked about last week when we talked about being in the darkness, which is a sort of aloneness, or in episode three when we talked about hearing our own voices, or in episode 18 when we considered our own largeness, It is so often in aloneness that we come into communion with ourselves. Often, hearing what is really true for ourselves, hearing what we really want or really believe or really value, requires us to step away from our conditioning and the influence of others and their expectations in order to see and hear ourselves more clearly especially when we are new to those questions, new to seeking greater understanding of ourselves. When we've taken that time alone, when we've had the space to become familiar and friendly with ourselves, we can once again turn outward toward others and learn how to hang on to that friendliness and familiarity even when the voices of others might be loud or challenging or, as sometimes happens, isolating. Often some sort of aloneness is the first step to self-discovery and understanding. But then we have to learn how to hold what we discover within the context of healthy relationships with others. Learn how to hold the best aspects of that aloneness as we integrate our lives with others. There's a limit to how deeply we can understand ourselves while we remain alone, right? While we remain unchallenged by another person's beliefs or needs. There is self-discovery that can only be done within the context of relationship, right? Who we are and how we respond when our rough edges rub up against another person's rough edges but that understanding is often served best by the foundational communion with self that does happen in the alone. So back to loneliness. C says, separated by walls because we choose to be. And if we pull back and think of those walls as going beyond the physical and into the emotional or ideological, we can see how loneliness like this is something universally shared by everyone at some point or another. I'm also reminded of way back in episode one in Brian Doyle's essay when he says, you can brick up your heart as stout and tight and hard and cold and impregnable as you possibly can and down it comes in an instant. Now this inclination as humans to attempt to avoid heartbreak and pain by walling off some part of ourselves, right? And again, coming back to visibility, isn't it interesting to consider that The walls we build around ourselves or some part of ourselves are intended to render that part of us hidden from others, intended to make it, or us, invisible. That we can hide some part of ourselves from view in order to keep from getting hurt, but that ultimately, as we have talked about over and over this season, if we are invisible, we are unseen, and unseen feels unloved. C says here that loneliness is being separated by walls because we choose to be, and that includes the walls we build ourselves, right? And this is where everything circles back to curiosity. I know you didn't think I'd get there, but I did. Curiosity is, as always, how we do exactly as C does in her dream about K, right? It's how we tear down those walls that keep us lonely even when we're standing shoulder to shoulder with another human, craving that connection, Often, curiosity shows up as being interested. Brick by brick, those walls come down as we look, as we listen, as we ask follow-up questions, as we pay attention to others and to ourselves. We remove a brick every time we choose curiosity over judgment, every time we choose to dig deeper instead of turning away. Each time we choose greater understanding, even in the face of discomfort or disagreement. Loneliness comes in the form of walls. Walls stand in the way of connection. We can climb walls and we can tear them down brick by brick when we get curious and interested. And look, let's hear the last line of this passage one more time because it's important. She says, I can feel her in my mind, but I can't feel her. And so I break the wall, tear it apart with my bare hands to find nothing on the other side but whiteness, blindingly bright, and the cry of gulls. In this case, she tears the walls down in attempt to find Kay, and there's nothing on the other side but blinding light and the cry of gulls. This happens, right? We cannot control where someone else is or how quickly they might be rebuilding what you're tearing down with your interest or your love. Not everyone is ready in this moment to be seen, and that's okay. We cannot guarantee also that what we find once the walls come down is what we expected or hoped for. We will not have a deep and lasting connection with every person we attempt to connect to in this life, and that is also okay. But tearing down our own walls, getting curious about ourselves, and Everyone whose rough edges we rub up against in this life while also, also holding fast to that communion and trust and understanding that we discovered and cultivated in our aloneness can allow us access to every available connection, whether that connection is a fleeting moment of camaraderie with a stranger or a deeper, more lasting one with a dear friend or partner. Alone is an island, an uncrossable sea, being too far from another soul, whereas lonely is being too close, in the same house, yet separated by walls because we choose to be. Let curiosity allow our islands to be places of refuge and quiet, where we can hear our own voices and discover new hallways in the chambers of our own hearts. And let curiosity tear down the bricks that build the walls that keep us lonely, that keep us from the connections we crave, and allow us to embrace both being seen and seeing those standing before us. Again, that's from Joan Huzz's young adult science fiction novel, The Ones We're Meant to Find, and I will link it as always in the show notes at cindyjuvinoli.com backslash podcast. And I will also link to the artist who created the art for the cover. Seriously, it's incredible, and I am just a little obsessed. Now, before I get to Jeremy L's shared quote today, I do want to tell you again that this is the last episode for Season 2 of the Say the Word podcast. Now, this was a slightly shorter season for a whole bunch of reasons that I won't get into here, but no worries, I will be back on Saturday October 9th with the first episode of season three. I am already really excited about what I've got on the docket for you so far. And also, I am always looking for suggestions from you guys. So if you have come across a book that you loved and you think might be a good fit here on the podcast, I really hope you'll share it with me. You can always email me at staycurious at cindyjivinoli.com or you can leave just a comment in the show notes at cindygevinoli.com backslash podcast. And as always, I am always looking for more of your favorite quotes or lines of poetry and why they landed for you. So be sure to keep those coming in over the break as well. Okay, then. So listener, today's listener contribution is from Jeremy L. And he says... I recently binge read a bunch of Tom Robbins books, and they were overflowing with quotes I thought of sending you, but this one stood out for obvious reasons. The quote, curiosity, a special intellectual inquisitiveness, is what separates the truly alive from those who are merely going through the motions. And Jeremy says, I thought you might agree with this, and I hope you enjoy it. Thank you so much, Jeremy. I totally agree with this. I have said it a million times, and I'm sure I will say it a million more, curiosity is such a fundamental tool for living well, for living richly, and having a life full of connection. And also, it is just dang fun. So... I will be back with the next season or the next season and the next episode on Saturday, October 9th. And until then, be sure to take a little Tom Robbins advice as well as my own and be sure to stay curious out there. That's it for this episode of the Say the Word podcast, where we explore how language is used in fiction, nonfiction, and poetry to connect us to what it means to be human and how to use curiosity to peel back the layers of what's keeping us from living the rich meaningful lives we were always meant to be living. Be sure to share and subscribe so you don't miss an episode, and I would so appreciate it if you would go ahead and leave a review. Thanks for listening. I'm Cindy Givinoli, and I'll see you next week on Say the Word.